This morning from Exodus chapter 18, beginning in verse 13. The next day Moses sat as judge for the people while the people stood around him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make known to them the statutes and instructions of God. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel and God be with you. You should represent the people before God and you should bring their cases before God. Teach them the statutes and instructions and make known to them the way they are to go and the things they are to do. You should also look for able men among all the people, men who fear God and are trustworthy and hate dishonest gain. Set such men over them as officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them sit as judges for the people at all times. Let them bring every important case to you, but decide every minor case themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all these people will go to their home in peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. There's an old saying I heard growing up, many hands make light work. When I was reading through this text over and over, that saying popped immediately to my mind. Maybe you heard it growing up as well. I had a friend who loved to say it when we were about to do a project together, that his mother often reminded his family as he was growing up, many hands make light work. It's not really a biblical quote, though. Scholars say we can trace it back to the 1300s to England, but that's where it originated. There, after the printing press, they began to publish books. One of them in England was Old Proverbs. A guy, John Haywood, put it together. He included it in there. In 1594, Shakespeare quoted it in one of his works that many hands make light work. Benjamin Franklin included it in Poor Richard's Almanac in 1733. Sir Walter Scott used it in one of his works in 1820. It's not in the Bible just like that, but it parallels the story we read today about Moses and his father Jethro. Moses has been the leader of the people, helped them escape slavery in Egypt, travel through the wilderness, Helping be the mediator between God and the people as God's trying to shape and form them into a community that follows God's instructions, that orders their lives as followers of God. But there are just too many people having too many disputes, all coming to one person, to Moses, to deal with all of the different things. His father-in-law Jethro is 
in the Israelite camp as a visitor. He's observing all that's going on. He sees what's happening between Moses and the people, and he wisely points out that this is not fair to Moses, and it is not good for the people. We heard it in verse 17 and 18 as we were reading the text today. It says, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you. For the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Have you ever tried to carry a burden alone? That would be better carried with others. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, is describing what we would most commonly call burnout today, right? It can happen with students going to school year after year, class after class. Particularly if we get into a class that's hard for us, we can experience burnout and want to drop out of school. It also happens to us in work. We take on too many projects or someone gives us too many projects. Well, we try to do a project that's supposed to be for a team, but we decide we'll carry it by ourselves and we end up with burnout. As the lifespan of humans is growing longer and longer, I begin to hear more and more from people who are in retirement but are burned out because they're volunteering here and there and there. And they come to me and say, I've got too much on my plate. I'm trying to do too much. And they are right. It can also happen with caregiving. When someone that we love is not thriving, we often step up to take care of them. And we take on more and more responsibility in addition to the care that they need. And if we're not careful, we try to do it alone. And we end up with burnout. It's an ever more common experience for people. Jethro observes what Moses is doing with the Israelite people and says, this is not good. You are going to wear yourself out. But rather than just criticizing like some people are wont to do, Jethro gives Moses some positive ideas, some possible solutions. He gives Moses some advice. I saw three specific things in the text today I want to lift up before we close. The first piece of advice is to know your role. Know what role you are to play. In verse 19, toward the end, after Jethro saying, This is not good. Now listen, I will give you some counsel. He doesn't tell Moses that he doesn't have anything to do. He says to him, you should represent the people before God, and you should bring their cases before God. He's not saying to Moses, step aside or quit. He's saying, know your role. Know the part that you are to play, and let others play another role. It's so easy to overfunction for some of us. We just keep taking on more and more. We try to do more and more. Sometimes we even look at our teammates and think, you know what, I can do it better than them, and I'll just go ahead and do my part and their part. And we overfunction, and we rob others of sharing their gifts. 
And we often end up resentful or burned out or being complainers and not really contributing to the team. And yet there are others who underfunction. They see that something needs to be done, but they hope somebody else will do it. They say maybe someone else will carry that burden. Maybe someone else will take that responsibility. Maybe someone else will take care of that when really they have the gifts or skills or talent to do it. But they shirk their responsibility. It can go either way. What Jethro says to Moses is as a leader, it's important to know your role. Secondly, he tells them to teach the people. Teach the people. In verse 20, he says, Teach them the statutes and instructions and make known to them the way they are to go and the things they are to do. We have many teachers in our congregation. We have additional teachers here today. These professional educators, educated, educators who have committed themselves to teach. We honor their service Jethro says to Moses, teaching is a really important role. You should teach the people. Know your role, but then teach the people. If you want the people to do their best, you're going to need to teach them. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist movement. Oh, he was a pastor and a priest, but he was also a teacher. He was a professor at Oxford in philosophy and logic. He saw the value of education, the importance of education. He was a teacher throughout his life. Even in the church as a pastor and preacher, he was often teaching. It's been a value in Methodism since the very beginning that we value education, teaching, and learning. In fact, the early Sunday school movement in the United States was fueled primarily by Methodist before public education was widely available, Methodists saw the need to teach the children and began Sunday school to help them not only know about faith, but to know their numbers, to know their letters, to be literate people, to learn how to read. Methodists have always believed in that. In our book of discipline, which is sort of our guidebook for our denomination, it says that we affirm that education can best be fulfilled through public policies that ensure access for all persons to free public elementary and secondary schools and to post-secondary schools of their choice. Methodists in the United States have always supported teachers and educators and public schools in the belief that everyone has a right to an education. John Wesley took his great learning. He had been a student at Oxford before he was a professor, and he broke it up into small nuggets and put them in pamphlets and made the pamphlets available to the Methodists and to any others who wanted to read it. He wanted the Methodists to be readers and learners. He wanted them to be growing in their knowledge and in their faith. He particularly noticed that some, unlike his own upbringing where he was educated in the home before he went away to school, that many were less advantaged. And so he began to try to figure out ways to educate poor children 
he started the first school of Methodism for children of coal miners near Bristol, England. The building still stands today, Kingswood School, to give every child in the area an opportunity for an education. That legacy continues today in our country. We have over 100 institutions of learning at different levels, many colleges and universities and seminaries for education of those who would come around the world. We have over 700 institutions of learning that Methodists have established because we believe in educating the people and giving all, rich or poor, from wherever the option to come and learn and grow and fulfill the potential we believe God has placed within them. The best way to help an individual fulfill their potential is to give them an opportunity to grow in knowledge and in faith. The only way a democracy fulfills its high ideals is if we have a great education system to educate the people. As a church, the Methodists believe in education. Boston Avenue believes in education. We have always offered lots of opportunities for people to learn and grow, to know more about faith and practice, to understand what our best scholars have learned and how we can share it with one another for our own enrichment, for our own life and faith and practice. A few years ago when the leaders of the congregation were meeting to talk about how do we articulate our core values, one of those that they really wanted to make sure we had in there, and we put it in there, says that we embrace a reasoned approach to faith and scripture. We believe in using our minds. We believe they are a gift of God. And yet an educated mind can do more than one that's not educated. And so we support education, just as Jethro said to Moses, teach the people, teach the people. Thirdly, he brings up the importance of delegation to Moses. He says, scan the crowd, scan the masses, look out over the people, and find those who are able and trustworthy, and give them a part of the responsibility, give them a role to play, let them help lead the people and be judges over these disputes that people are having. It's still a challenge for churches today. Being a volunteer organization, we count on people volunteering their time and their talent and their service to be able and trustworthy so that we can be all that God wants us to be I can't do it alone. Joel or even Marie can't do it alone. It takes the people all taking a role. This idea of delegation is so important, of sharing the responsibility, so important to fulfill the mission and the calling of the church. I was first paid as a church worker, as a youth director. I was only 19 years old. I grew up in the Methodist church. I had been active in the youth department. I'd been an officer in the youth department. I had learned some leadership skills. I had gone to camps and trainings as a young person. So I knew quite a bit about how to run a youth program. But I also know I only knew this much. 
that I needed more training. And luckily, the United Methodist Church in Oklahoma designed a training for people like me, so I went and took advantage of it. One of the more seasoned youth directors one day was talking to us about how we lead. And he talked about this thing he called the four phases of ease. He said most youth directors are in phase one. Phase one says, I'm doing it. And it means I'm doing it all. So I'm unlocking the building. I'm turning on the lights. I'm bringing the snacks. I'm leading the games. I'm teaching the lesson. I'm leading the songs. I'm saying goodbye to everybody and cleaning up before I go home. He said, you know what? Your group's not going to get very big, and you're going to be burned out before very long. And it's true, youth ministers even today don't last very long. They move from church to church. They burn out quick because most of them are stuck in phase one. They're doing it by themselves. But he says there is a phase two. Just as it says in the text, you look around and identify someone you think is able and trustworthy and you invite them to come alongside you in this ministry and say, come and walk with me in this ministry. Be my support person. I'm still doing it, he says, but they're watching and learning. He says, if that goes well, you can move to the third phase, would be the phase of delegation like they're talking about here, where you hand off some of the responsibilities. You say, you do it and I will watch. I'll be here to support you, but you lead the song or you lead the games or you bring the snacks. That you take on a part of that responsibility. And he says, if that goes well, you can go to the fourth phase of ease where you're able to say to someone, you have the talent and the gifts and the skills and the training, so now you do it and I'm going to do something else. Not that I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to expand the ministry or deepen the ministry or add another component or recruit and develop another leader. He says so many people stuck in phase one. The goal would be to get to phase four where you've invited people into the ministry with you. You've helped them identify a call in their life. You've helped them get some training, develop some skills, some comfort, and give them that chance to give back to others to help enrich the community. Our text today says, teach the people, then delegate some responsibility to them. That brings us to the great payoff or the good news of all of this. It's in verse 22 where Jethro says to Moses, if he would do this, then they will bear the burden with you. They will bear the burden with you. They'll help carry the load. It reminds me of the text, the very first one we used a couple of weeks ago in this series where Joshua was the faith hero we were looking at. And you remember what he did? He called the people together. As he was coming close to the end of his life, he wanted the people to gather, and he talked about how important it is to share the burdens and the blessings as the people of God, to be sure that we gather to support one another as we praise God and worship God. We need to get together. We need to come together. Joshua calls them together to share their burdens and their blessings. 
In our text today, Moses' father-in-law knows that same wisdom and tells him, if you will do this, they will come together and they will share this burden with you. Many hands make light work. The community is enriched when many hands are involved, when many people are involved, when God is working through all of us, it enriches all of us. And then the final thing, Jethro paints a picture of a positive future for Moses if he can do this. It's in the very last verse we read, verse 23. He ends with this. He says, if you do this and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all these people will go to their home in peace. Now what a future if we were all living in peace. We know that we have conflicts around the world where there's not peace, but it's not just over there. We know in our own country we have our own share of conflicts in our own state, in our own city. And when we're really honest, we know we have conflicts in our own churches and in our own families and in our own relationships. And so often, we do not live in peace. And Jethro's painting this picture of the future for Moses that if he would follow his advice and listen for God to lead him, that it gives all the people an opportunity to live in peace. If you know your role and you're willing to share what you know or teach what you know about God, and if you're willing to be a part of a community and do your part in that, the community will thrive Jethro sharing it with Moses as a future possibility. But what a great portrait of a future it is if each and every one of us is doing our part. If we all come to know God and share what we know about God with each other, if we all play our role, the community thrives, and we all get to go home in peace. What a joy! What a future! I think it's something we could all enjoy. May it be so for each and every one of us as we go forth. Amen. Thanks be to God.